Hello and welcome to Without Edges, brought to you by Harcourts and Connect Now, Australia's longest established and leading home moving services. They make your clients' moving experience stress-free and simple. They will take care of your clients and you take home the rewards. Without Edges is the podcast that connects you with people who are achieving amazing things in life and, of course, the inside tips for real estate. I'm your host, Sartre Smiles. It is my absolute pleasure today to welcome to Without Edges, Jodie Stainton. Now, Jodie is the growth leader at Cronus Real Estate in Queensland. She's well known for saying that property management has been great to her, owing her success to working with the best leaders in the industry. She began her career as a cadet valuer and, like so many of us, fell into property management. She has worked as a receptionist, leasing consultant, property manager and BDM, has done leadership roles in franchising with Harcourts, I have to mention, and she has headed up LPMA, which gave her an insight into hundreds of businesses. Today, she is the growth leader with Coronis, and one of her key focus areas is on client service, which is what we're going to talk to Jody about today. Jody, welcome to Without Edges. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm a fan of yours, and I have to confess straight up to our listeners that you and I have had so many conversations around how much our industry is changing, what it will look like in a few years, what the new world of PM is look like and is going to look like, and um, probably not something a lot of people may agree with us on, but we certainly think that we're on the right path. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I love our conversations and um, I think it's really great to be around people that, you know, are really thinking about what the future of property management could look like and where we could take this thing and actually leading people in that direction, I think is um, it, it's really cool to be around those sorts of people. Yeah, and I think one of the key things um, why I love having, you know, these conversations with you and, and having you part of this industry is that I think a lot of us sit back and we say, oh, the industry is going through a lot of changes and we sit back for the changes to happen. But I I know that you believe the same that I do, which is why are we waiting for things to happen? Why aren't we changing these things ourselves? Because if we change them ourselves and we control them and we lead the the direction the industry or our businesses are going to head in, as opposed to waiting for change to happen and you lose all control when that happens. That's exactly right. And I, I think that we just need to, we need to take the ball by the horns. We know what the problems of our industry are and, and we have all of the power to change it. And, the, you know, waiting for disruption to happen to us in externally, it's just one of probably the, it'll go down in one of the most stupidest things that we could have done in the industry unless we do actually disrupt ourselves from inside out. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, and that's what we should be doing without a doubt. Now, tell me, I don't know whether you agree with me or not, but I often say to people that sometimes as property managers, because we're so used to the process, right, Every, everything goes on the left-hand side if it's a debit and the right-hand side it's a credit and, we, you know, we are very process-driven people. We perhaps sometimes spend too much time thinking about all the things that could go wrong as, a, as opposed to all the things that can go right. And when we do that, we paralyze, our, paralyze ourselves. It's funny that you should say that because um, I've had probably the biggest lesson in my life of that this week in terms of thinking about all of the reasons as to why I can't do something instead of actually all of the reasons why I can. And I think we're so adverse and we've just got to start 
getting out of our own way. You know, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned for myself this week is get out of my own head, stop confirming my own beliefs and start to think, why Why am I thinking that way? Why? What's that little voice saying inside of me? Why isn't it more positive? And why can't, well, I could, certainly I can do these sorts of things. And just getting out of our own ways, I think is one of the most important things we can do. Oh, um, I, I love that. Yeah, you're exactly I, right. I love that you've had that epiphany. Now tell me, and you don't have to share this <laughs> with all of us because I, I know you told me this off air and I was like, oh my God, I've got to catch up with you for a drink to find out what's happened but but how how did you allow yourself to be open to have somebody else actually you know hold that mirror up to you to say hey you're thinking about the wrong thing I think um I think it probably happened in a way that I put so much pressure on myself about something that I just didn't need to put that much pressure on myself about. Mm-hmm. And I went into all of the reasons as to why I couldn't do it. And the fact is, I look, I actually did a terrible job of it. I, I had to get up and I had to sell a new concept that I'm bringing to the marketplace to our directors and our shareholders and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And I put so much, so much pressure on myself that I did probably the worst presentation that I've ever done in my life. And I'm talking bumbling and to the point of tears almost, right? Horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And the thing is, immediately afterwards, you know, well, during even the, the, um, you know, Andrew Coronas, who's my boss, um, he's incredible, was saying, you know, Joe, this isn't about the presentation. This is just about, this is just an all learning experience. Mm. And we're we're just going to help you get through this. And, if I just had have gone in with that mindset that this is a learning experience, we've, we've just got to all, of course, I can't have the entire pitch for the business ready within a couple of days. You know, I've only started in this new role as of Monday, so of course I don't have all of that ready, but I put so much pressure on myself to be perfect and you just, you can't be and why should we be? We should think about things as learnings. It, it, you know, this whole fixed mindset issue is such an issue for us in, in our entire industry um, and we've, yeah, we just have to get our own out of our own way and as we went through it I just thought my god I've had one of the greatest learnings I've ever had in my life Mm. that I've I've done this to myself this is no one else there's no one else to blame I've actually done this to myself and it's all because of my negative headspace and where I was going instead of just you know thinking not even that I can do it because I probably couldn't have done it but that it was okay that I couldn't have done it and not yeah really interesting yeah and and it's great that you've you've come to that because I think when you do you then start to make different decisions one of the things I say to people that I work with is put a lot more value in being unperfect than being perfect because when you are unperfect and I know for the linguistics out there there is no such word I I do claim this one (laughs) as my word but when you are unperfect it actually opens up doors for you to be amazing and and do incredible things because you're not you're not putting boundaries around yourself you see perfection is about putting boundaries around yourself that's exactly right, and it's limiting every yes. part of you because you're just confirming your own. You're confirming your own beliefs. Yeah. Whatever it is that you believe is what you, you'll confirm that, um, and that's just that's just it's not a good place to be in. So yeah, so I really have had that lesson this week, well, and it's been good. fantastic. Good, I'm glad you did. So now we're here to talk. We can we can make this a couch session, which I would love to do, but we're not going to do that. So we're here to talk about service, though, which I know mm-hmm. you are hugely passionate about, as am I. Absolutely. And and one of the things I hear a lot, and I have to say that I have said this myself and I have to pick myself up on it um, when I say it these days. One of the things I hear a lot is is our industry saying clients are becoming more demanding. And, and when we use this word, I think that sometimes we're telling ourselves that 
un, that more demanding equals unreasonable. Oh, without a doubt. But I don't it's think so that's ridiculous. the case, right? Yeah, it's not the case. We're becoming more demanding. The other night I had a, a Qantas flight and for the first time I had Wi-Fi on a plane, right? And so now the next time I flew, which was only a couple of days later, I'm all of a sudden, I, it's annoying that I don't have Qantas, like I don't have flight on, um, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi on a plane now. That's, that is because the, the industry is moving. So as, as, as more things happen and innovation happens, obviously our demands get higher. Um, and it's not higher, it just moves with the times. And we've, we've, yeah, I completely agree with you. And interesting, like, so the example that you've just used there, right, you, you bring this back to our clients expecting a, a very different level of service from us, but that's because they're getting a very different level of service from other brands that they're interacting with, not necessarily other real estate agents, but other brands. So the Qantas mm-hmm. or the Virgins or, you know, the Googles and whoever else is out there. And so when that benchmark of expectation around service is set, they expect that from every other supplier they deal with. Exactly right. And it, they, they expect it in a way that is personalised to them. Um, it, the fact is, I'm a landlord myself and I, uh, I don't want to know, I don't want to deal with my property. I want my property manager to approve the application. I want them to arrange maintenance. I want them, I don't care about routine inspections. I just want you to take care of everything for me. I do not want to have to think about it. Now, I'm a classic outsourcer-style landlord, right? I just take every, care of everything for me. I don't have enough time and I don't want to know about it. One day, it's for my children and all those sorts of things, but right now, I don't care about it, really. You know, And we've got to understand our clients to understand what type of client they are and deliver that service to them that, that that's what they're looking for. It, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Anytime we play to the averages, we're playing to... We actually upset everybody because if someone wants... If, let's say you do want routine inspections and I don't want routine inspections. So the, the average of that might be, well, oh, we'll just do two per year. Well, you're not happy because you want four per year and I'm not happy because I actually don't care about them, don't understand why you're upsetting my tenants. So playing to the averages actually doesn't work. And um, this, is, this is rife within our industry. We, it, we, we have to start to understand what the customer actually wants. And I know we say this all the time, but genuinely have to start doing this. And, and I want to talk about that, but I love this. I, lo- I haven't heard this before, playing to averages. It is, you've just described what we do in our industry in a nutshell. And now I know there are some fabulous businesses out there who don't do this, but the reality is we just assume that uh, what one landlord wants or what 10 landlords want is what every other landlord wants as well. And that's what we provide that level of service to. Now, one of the things that is a real buzzword at the moment is is experience economy, right? So we, we're having, mm-hmm. we're, we're being forced, I see, we're being forced and we, we're being pushed down from, from going from being transactional to becoming experienced. So for you and, and what you do in your business, what does experience economy mean to you? Um, it's a really good question. I think it's genuinely, it's, so one of the things that I think we do really well is get to understand the client at the start. So we do what's called a client needs analysis where we actually understand what's their goal for their investing. So what's their goal for their properties? Out of that, we'll ask a whole heap of different questions around the way that they'd like their property to be managed. And that then becomes the very first conversation that the property manager has with that, with that client when they introduce themselves after being handed over from the BDM. I think the experience is it's just about delivering it in the way that they want it to be delivered. 
I don't think it has to be bells and whistles and all these sorts of things because I don't actually know that our landlords want to, you know, be talking to us all the time and, and constantly. You know, some of them will. That's the whole point. So some of them will want that. But most of us, most of them tend to pay for us to actually be able to take away that hassle for them. So it, the experience is just understanding what they want and delivering that. It's. I don't think it's... Um, I don't, yeah, like I said, I don't think it's about the bells and whistles and thinking about all of the, I do think it's really interesting. I'm actually trying to go through this at the moment because one of my friends drives two hours to get her hair done and she doesn't, she, she does that because she absolutely loves the experience with this, with this particular hairdresser, right? Mm. She pays something like $135 every six weeks to go and to this particular person two hours out of her way. Now, the interesting thing about that is she, she she goes there because of the haircut immediately. That was the immediate reason. But then all of a sudden, it turns out that they actually massage her hands and they massage her head and they um, you know they they provide her a cup of tea on a, on a beautiful platter. And but had had the selling points at the start being, oh, we're going to give you a cup of tea and a massage and all of those things. I don't actually think that that would have translated to her actually wanting to do that. But what it has done is made her really stickable. Yes. So now she's really sticky. She doesn't want to go anywhere else. And she, you know, so she appreciates all of those things, even though that probably wasn't a purchasing decision. Yeah. And, and I think that's about the experience. Her stickiness is not expensive. The no. cup of tea and the hand massage is not expensive, but the value that she sees in it as a client is enormous. Driving two and then, hours to get a haircut. That's just nuts. But clearly, she enjoys it. And- Absolutely, and she won't go to anybody else, and and so she's completely stuck in. That's the experience. And that's I think what the experience does. And I think sometimes we think that to provide that amazing experience, we have to spend a lot of money and and do yeah. amazing things, but we don't. You know, we um, just in our business the other day, we sent some donuts to people who'd referred some business to us. They're builders and developers, and it was a Friday afternoon. We just sent them some donuts, and they were over the moon about the donuts that they received and it cost us nothing to do the donuts. But, you know, we know that we've built a, a great stickiness with these guys. Now I might have to do donuts once a month or something like that, but it's worth it for the referral base that you get. Without a doubt. And, but it might just be taking away a pain point that they used to have that they now don't have. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've just made their life so much easier. So you know, and we t- you know we talked about that at the recent Harcourts conference where I talked about the cherry chapstick moment yes. um, with my son. Yes. And But that that's that's a two cent thing, but it was taking away a massive pain moment, massive pain moment in the process that actually probably means more in some ways than donuts. You know, and this is where we have to figure out the balance of all of those things. But if we continually take away the pain points in the processes, then, um, you know, we're, a lot, we're going down the right track of providing a really great experience. So if we have a look at the whole concept of service and, and client expectations in, in two parts, right? As a property manager, I talk to my clients when something goes wrong. And, and that, unfortunately, can be quite often, depending on the type of property that they have, and it may be high maintenance, et cetera, or bad tenants. Mm-hmm. And then the other t- part is where you, you've got a great tenancy, tenant pays their rent on time all the time. And so really, there's no need to have any contact with this particular owner until something goes wrong. 
Now, yeah. I want to I want to talk about the first part of this, right? So you you've got a, a an owner who you've had a lot of contact with because things have been going wrong in that property. Um, now, mm-hmm. you often talk about your own experience around this, how in one of the worst times of your life and in one of the most stressful times of your life, you had people deliver the most amazing service. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, but that service would have been deliberate and planned, right? It just didn't happen because the person on the other side felt good on that day when they turned up to work. It was a very deliberate and planned, structured service delivery. So, and I know, you know, I don't, I don't need you to share the whole story, but maybe just give us a snapshot of what that planned deliberate service delivery was. Yeah. So we're talking about my, my son had a major operation when he was about 20 months old and in, you can imagine, and I'm talking a major operation. So they, they took his skull off and panel beat it and put it back on his head. So it's a pretty major operation. Now you can imagine that we're in the worst times of our life and, and going through that as first time parents and all those sorts of things. And yet every part of the way that they, they did their job was so well thought out and well planned. And it was all the way down to, I just imagine that after every time that they do a part of the piece of the delivery of the service that they think it through and go, how could we do it better? How could we do it better? How could we do it better? So continually asking that question every single time, could we have done this any better? Could there have been a better outcome? And I think if, if we think about that in terms of all of the ways that we do everything we do, you know, just putting that back to, for example, signing up a tenant, mm. we, we often put tenants who are in highly stressful situations who, uh, you know, they've, they've probably been cleaning all night. They've, um, they might have the truck outside waiting. The, the kids are probably sick because they always get sick, of course, when you're moving. Moving never comes at a, at a time that is suitable to you, but certainly when you're a tenant, you, you, you're kind of given told, you're told when to move or you might make the choice, but it's certainly never a great time. So they're in highly stressful situations and we put them down and we sit them down for 45 minutes and we tell them, you know, all the parts of our acts. And usually we actually tell them all about the negative parts. So, you know, sign off this arrears notice and, um, you know, this is how you port, report um, maintenance and all these sorts of things. Download 45 minutes, all of our knowledge and the way that they need to behave. We never tell them, hey, this is actually, you've been a fantastic tenant in your previous um, history. We're so excited to have you. And what we'd love to do for you is to, um, I understand you're a seasoned tenant. What I'd really like to do though is just give you a couple of things about how to be a successful tenant in our agency. That language just doesn't come out. Mm. And so we, we download 45 minutes of all the negative things that can go wrong, whether they've been a fantastic tenant or not. We don't even differentiate. And then we expect them to go away and act in the way that we want them to. And yet this is just a little blip in their life. And we we just have to put ourselves in their shoes and think, what are they going through right now? And how how could we take all of that pain point away? Why do they need to come into the office? Why can't they sign it up on you know something like DocuSign or something? Yeah. Um, if they've been fantastic tenants, do they have to sign off on an arrears notice? Probably no. If we started asking these questions, I think we'd have a very different service delivery. So why don't we ask ourselves, I mean, I, I, and I say this all the time to people that I hang out with, I go, you know, if we organised a property management conference or property management and we called it customer service, doing it to, you know, create amazing experiences for your clients, do you reckon people would actually turn up to that? Uh, I, think, I think they would at the possibly, whether they would 
because they want to or whether they would because their principal has told them to. Um, I think your question about why don't we do this as an industry, I think comes down to leadership. We we have, unfortunately, in our, in our industry, our leadership is almost outsourced, as in the principal is usually a selling principal. And I, and I don't hate on selling principals. Please don't think that. I think they're doing a fantastic job in what they're doing, but they don't understand the day-to-day challenges of their property managers. And just like their salespeople in their office, the minute that they don't have leadership, things start to go wrong. Given that our property managers aren't getting that leadership usually, they, they don't have... No one's walking them through and showing them how to look at a process and dissect it and think about all the pain points. They're not helping them. They're just outsourcing that leadership to a senior property manager who doesn't usually have those sorts of skills. Um, So it's a massive leadership problem in our industry and and it's holding the entire industry back in my view. Yeah, and, you know, you're absolutely right because, you know, one of of the things that we learnt in, in our leadership with Harcourts and, you know, Gilbert Anoka always says this is, you know, don't don't look outside, look in the mirror. So if things are yeah. going wrong in your business and you are losing clients and you've got a revolving door with property managers, you've got to look at yourself as a, as a leader in terms of what are you doing in your business uh, to engage your people and provide those levels of service to your clients. Because you're right, at the end of the day, it is through the leadership that we will improve the property management side of the industry. On the a doubt. On the second point in terms of, you know, when we talk about um, connecting with clients when everything is going well, in, mm-hmm. your, in, on your thoughts on this, you know, so one half of my rent roll, I always, I'm always going to be in touch with because things are going wrong, but there's another part that I don't talk to all the time because everything is going right. What are your thoughts on, on, on how often a property manager should touch base with these clients who they don't talk to all the time um, and and what is the best type of conversation to have with them? I'll, I'll, so I'll answer this this way. This week I received a call from my mortgage broker and he said, great news, the market has, um, the CBA is actually going to pass on the full 25 basis points. Now, I haven't had a need to call him for a really long time. He doesn't often call me. He doesn't need to touch base with me all the time. But he called me the minute that something would impact me in a way that he knows that I want to buy another property. He called me to let me know personally. Now, I knew that the RBA had obviously cut the rates and I also knew that CBA was passing on the full amount. But the fact that he took out the time to call me knowing that what my where I wanted to go next was so valuable to me that I just won't go with anybody else yeah. because I know that he does that sort of thing. He thinks about me in those moments. Now, of course, he does that in a structured way. He would have called all of the clients. He would, he would understand who's looking at purchasing another property over the next 12 months, all of those things. You, you can't do that. You can't deliver that type of service without having the structure behind it. But that's what he did. And that's what I think we've got to think about in terms of property management. What's happening in the marketplace that's impacting your your clients' property values. Um, all of that sort of thing is actually really, really important and they're the type of calls that we can make to say, we've been thinking about you. I, I, I'm sure you probably have heard that there's a bridge going in uh, X Street or whatever it is. We actually think that this will impact the market in this way and we just wanted to let you know. You know, those sorts of things um, are invaluable. Properties that have sold recently in your street and I just want to let you know that you probably have, you will have seen a rise in values. Um, the mortgage rates, what's happening with that sort of thing. I think the more that we get advisory in that way, um, I, I just don't, I think 
that's the type of stuff that they'd actually care about in that time. It's not about, oh, everything's going well with your property or even your tenants have paid six months perfect rent. It's what's going on in the marketplace that actually impacts them directly. And and one of the key reasons why property managers say they can't do these types of calls is because they say we don't have the time. They do. I. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to throw that out there at some point. <laughs> oh, and the the thing is, the more that you treat your clients with the respect that they are, you're there to serve them and their needs, and therefore you should understand what their needs are the more likely you're you're going to have less of the other types of calls that stop you from having these types of calls. Yeah. That's kind of my view on that. Yeah. And, and you kind of um, got to just say, you know, once a week, an hour once a week or, you know, t- an hour every day, whatever it is you want to do, you know, the usual 10 calls before 10 o'clock and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. If you actually made a time and you genuinely stuck to that time frame and you worked everything else around you, you can't tell me that we can't find an hour in our day, in a week, to make these sorts of phone calls. Um, absolutely can't. And everything comes down to what you find important. You will move heaven and earth to do things that you find important. And this has just got to be on one of those things that it becomes really, really important. Or at least otherwise ensure that you're setting up your marketing and those sorts of things to be able to talk about that sort of stuff to your owner so it feels like it's coming from you um, at the very, very least. Um, but absolutely, a touch-based phone call just to say those sorts of things is just absolutely invaluable. And the only other thing I will say about the whole time piece, I was talking to someone yesterday. Now, he's only been in the industry for about three months, right? Sorry, he's been in it for about six months. He's gone out on his own in three months' time. So he's a very different style property manager, right? He's not even a property manager. He started out with me as a BDM. He's gone out on his own and and starting up his own business. He's signing people up at $800 a week at 8%. And what he's done is right from the start is say, well, I'll actually approve the tenant for you. I don't need to call you. You don't know the difference between the three tenants. How about I approve them for you? Um, This is the limit on maintenance. So he's actually setting it up in a way Mm. that he won't have to have all this back and forth with all of this stuff that means he can service the clients in the way that he wants to yeah. and we've, we've got to, we've got to start thinking that way yeah start thinking about it differently and and, and it yeah. leads into my next question and point around this is and, and I know that we don't do this really well in our industry is the, the the whole area of service at the moment needs to become a business strategy right so we have a lot of us have business plans for our business in terms of if we want to go numbers profit ebit uh, properties under management you know all that sort of stuff but what we mm-hmm. don't have the big piece that's missing that all dovetails into the bottom line and properties under management and in staff engagement and client engagement is the service strategy business plan right how many mm-hmm. of us have one of those uh, hardly anyone. And and worse than that, no one's even figuring out what their service levels are to even start to figure out what they need to do to work on a business plan like that. You know, we're really lucky. We've got, not lucky by design. We've actually gone out and got um, customer monitor and we're, we're surveying our clients really regularly. And um, we have an NPS score. We know an NPS score and it's plus 40 at the moment, whereas the rest of the industry sits at negative six. Mm. And, we, we're not even figuring out what our client customer satisfaction score is. Worse than that, and this is this is one of probably the most, I think you'll find this really interesting. I ask this question all the time now, but can you tell me your top 20 clients and how much they pay with you? 
Yeah. And the fact is, most know. of us can't. No. If they just wouldn't even know. And in what other industry do they not know who their top clients are and how much they spend with you and whether the trend is spending is going up or down and whether they're happy with you? We just have this entire thing all about face. Um, and the minute we get back to service and start really understanding that, I, you know, we should know who the top 20 clients are, how much they spend with us, whether it's, whether they're training upwards or backwards, what service, what service score that we have with them. Um, you know, all of that should just be at the, the touch of our fingers. Yeah. And, and you can add to that, which will be part of your top 20 clients, clients, but certainly your multiple clients, because if you lose one of those, oh, you're going to lose two, three, four, five properties at the same time. Exactly. And when you consider that they also probably have a mortgage with your mortgage broker and mm-hmm. they, um, you know, all of that money that we're leaving on the table absolutely everywhere we look, if we understood what those client, who those clients are and the value of them and could actually see what's the average life cycle value of a client versus what of our, the lowest and the top, we, we would have an entirely different business strategy around that than just managing a property. Managing a property. It would be a completely different business. So yeah. tell me, if in your business and your experience, if you've got a client who, um, you know, service levels, which is a key reason why they leave, it, it wants to move their business to another property manager. And and I think mm-hmm. you and I both know that that doesn't mean they're going to get better service. They've been promised a whole pile of things unlikely they're going to accept or achieve all of them but right now all of the other stuff sounds better than what I'm getting with my current business right how could you um how could you retain some of these clients so we we do have this happen you know this happens to us as well and we tend to fall back on our NPS scores and our um, and our systems and our structure and our processes and um so we we might say something like um depending on whether I know the client or not or and what is in their client needs analysis, I would probably go back to what their goals are for investing and how that agency has demonstrated that they're going to get the goals you to where you want to go with your goals for the investing. How did they actually demonstrate that? Mm-hmm. Do they understand what their customer satisfaction score is? Because we actually really do and we see where we do go well and wrong every single day. You know, our scores come through every single day and we can actually see that and, and improve our processes upon that. Yep. Um, I would, I, I think that I don't tend to find, to be really honest, and I, I'm sorry, that's why I'm struggling to answer this question because I don't actually believe that people leave for fees. No. Because here's the thing, they are paying that fee with you in the first place. So they were willing to pay 8%, but now all of a sudden you you think that they want to leave for 6%. That just means that we haven't actually delivered on the service that we said we would. Or we haven't shown value. So the minute that we can show value, I just don't believe people leave for cheaper fees. I believe that they leave because they haven't shown enough value. So we would need to show the value. So this is actually what we've done. If we have missed that, which certainly we have in the past, um, if we've missed that, we'd be able to go back and say, I'd go back and say, these are actually all... I. I'm sorry that I haven't shown you value the whole way. These are all the things that I actually we have actually done for you and I just want to make sure you understand all of the ways that we actually look after your business before you decide to go to a cheaper option, which usually cheaper doesn't usually mean better. Better, that's Something right. Something like that. Because in their yeah. mind, they're probably thinking, I'm going to get the same service anyway, so I might as well pay less for it. 
They absolutely do. We we had a client, um, this is a recent one, one of my BDMs went out and they, they said to this client, this client was paying 11%, sorry, they went out and they said, this is 8 we said we're 8.5% and he said, why are you 8.5%? Someone down the road is only, you know, 6.5% and she said, some uh, that whole adage around you pay peanuts, you get, get monkeys. monkeys and he said, but I was paying 11%, I was paying Rolls Royce and I still got monkeys. So I think I'll cut my losses and just go with the with that one. Now, as an industry, we're actually in danger of that as an industry. Um, so that's really hard to combat because what can you say to that? That's when you can only default back to, well, these are all the things that we are and be in, as transparent as possible around every way that you're going to help them reach their investing goals yeah. and genuinely reach their investing goals, not talk about arrears. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So tell me, um, Jody, what are some of the things that you're doing that you can share with us at Coronas around owner and tenants uh, to, d- to deliver a better level of service? So the first thing, like I said, is it starts with the client needs analysis. Mm-hmm. It really starts with really understanding that client. And I can't stress that enough. I, I say it everywhere I go, but I tend to find that people don't deal, still don't implement it. What sort of but, questions um, do you ask in that? We ask things like, um, why did you buy this property? How does it fit in with your portfolio of properties? Um, that way, by the way, they actually tell me whether yes. they have others or not, Yes, um, which is brilliant. Um, I ask, what sort of capital improvements would you like to undertake or did you want to undertake over the next you know, 12 months, two years, etc.? Do you have the best rate in terms of your mortgage? Would you like us to keep you up to date with that to make sure that you, you know, we can help you with that? Um, we ask things like, when would you like to be contacted? Is, early morning, afternoon, um, in the first instance by phone, um, all of those sorts of questions. Mm. Um, what does what does ideal property management look like for you? Describe your ideal tenants, uh, all of that type of thing. So we basically go through an entire needs analysis. Mm-hmm. Then um, I think probably what we do fairly well at Cronus is we do have very, very experienced property managers. So our senior property managers have been with us on average, for about four and a half years, which is un- that's sort of unheard of Heard in the industry, yes. where it's usually yeah. about nine months. So we do have really long-term great property managers looking after our clients. And I think, I know that it sounds like not a point of difference, as in it shouldn't be a point of difference, but it is. Yeah. Um, most people have a revolving door. So I think we do that really well. Um, I think in terms of our tenants and our clients, we um, I can't say that there's particular things that we, you know, we offer DocuSign in all of our leases. People don't have to come in and sign documents. We um, we have, I'm just trying to think through, I'm not on the property management side, and, um, so I'm just trying to think through all the little things that they do. We have drives, oh, we have our Coronas Advantage Management, our Coronas Advantage program where our tenants and owners can actually get discounts and things from people within their communities as well as within um, our community of, of Coronas. So, that program actually exists, so they might be if they're you know getting a building and pest, they can get fifteen percent off that. Or if they need maintenance on their own home, for example, and they use one of our partners, they actually get the discount on that. So there's lots of little things I think that we do really well in, in terms of that. Um, we're talking about introducing a five star tenant service, so express check in, express check out for tenants that are five star, um, making sure that they don't have to go through the red tape that most. Um, we put most people through um, thinking about the way that we do do routine inspections for those people um, I don't think we do have to do them four times a year uh, so we're starting to develop that service out um, yeah there's some of the little things 
That's good. So if anybody wants to talk to you more about this, I'm assuming they can just reach out to you because I'm, I'm sure there'll be oh, listeners who are going, oh, my yeah. God, I want to talk to this girl a bit more. Um, you know, they, yeah. they feel feel free to to reach out to you. That would be great. Now, I read this. I know you're a bit of a Harvard fan because I'm a, 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 as well, and I read this Harvard article the other, the other day, and it was really interesting how they talked about the concept of the experience economy. And and I'm going to try and describe it the best way that I can. And, and basically what they were saying is that imagine if your business, your clients had to pay money to walk in your front door before they could use your products and services. And they were yeah, prepared right. to pay, they were prepared to pay the dollar to walk in because they knew that when they used your products and services, you would be the best and they would have an awesome experience and the money that they've paid up front to actually walk in your front door is insignificant because of the experience they're going to have, right? That's incredible. Right? And it got me thinking around, okay, do you know where my headspace went to first? Disney. Disney yeah. or, or even yeah. the, the ones in the Gold Coast, right? All those crazy places that you go to and you scream as you come down, the water slides sort of stuff. But you pay yeah. up front, right, before you walk in the door of these businesses because you know of the experience that you're going to have. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing and people are trained to an inch of their life on, you know, how Cinderella is going to behave with you when she sees you or her ch- or your children, right? But yeah. I, th- I think we need to bring some of that mindset into our business. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's excellent. Um, I've never heard that before. And yeah, I do read a lot of Harvard articles and I hadn't actually read that one. So I'm, I'm going to go and absolutely read that. I'll send it um, to you. <laughs> it makes so much sense, right? Thank you. Um, it makes so much sense. I, it's actually, it's, it's a brilliant way to think about it because if, if we could show, if we properly showed the value of what we do and we could genuinely say this is how much you're going to save by being with us and how, or, and or how much we're going to improve your yield, how much the better of the outcome it will be for your investment um, with us, it, it, of course they would pay up front. Yeah. Um, and I guess they sort of do in terms of they, you know, they pay, they're paying out of their rent out of them. But yeah, the, the before they even walk in the doors is incredible. I think that's really, really very cool. But, a very and, cool way to think about it. And it's cool. And the, and the way I started to think about it, because my mind went in a hundred different directions, was right, you know, okay, so what I need to do in my business is I actually need to start staging the experiences, right? So, you know, when you go to this theme park, and I'm going to stick to that theme, theme parks, every experience that they have with you is staged, Right. Mm-hmm. So, so really, yeah. really, if we want to provide amazing experiences in our businesses around service, we need to start staging experiences. Without a doubt. Yes, we do. That's exactly right. And it does have to be so well thought out and so can, uh, customer led, I think is probably the best way to say that is what is the experience that your customer actually, what what happens to them at every part of every transaction yeah. with you? Um, I think, yeah, it's really whole, powerful. I love that. The whole cl- the client journey, right? Understand what the client journey yeah. is, map out the key areas that you can stage and experience and then do it. But then, and I would imagine you guys do this really well and, and you know, we, we're certainly doing it at Harcourts, is, is training everybody up in your business to deliver the same service, right? So, again, the person who plays Cinderella is going to be a different person every week, but Cinderella doesn't change, right? The staging of that experience doesn't change. So we need to make sure that the Cinderellas in our businesses deliver the same level of service every time they interact with a client. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think I think that comes down to that leadership piece and mm. allowing, ensuring that people in your business are actually passionate about the client and actually want to do that. They don't have to be people people, but they have to be passionate about the client experience and wanting to, as a business together, design those systems that take out all those pay points, make it so much easier for the client um, and and have that mindset. And I, I have to say, I don't think we have that mindset really. Um, but as in Corona certainly do, I think we're, we're building that very well at the moment. I think it's something that we're really working hard on is to say every time something goes wrong, why is it going wrong? And, yeah. and that's where that NPS stuff comes in. We see the comments come in every single day and we workshop that and then try and um, tweak the processes, make sure that um, we, we remove those pain points that we're seeing. So I think we do do that really well. But certainly, you know, it, we're certainly not perfect and it's something that we're working on. And I think this will be a forever moving thing because our client expectations move every day. Yes, they do. Now, now you've mentioned NPS a couple of times. The people who are listening who don't understand or know what NPS is, it's Net Promoter Score. You can Google it. But really, it's a tool to help you measure engagement, get feedback and assess client satisfaction. Now, how often are you sending out the NPS score or at are you doing it after certain interactions like, you know, moving into a property, a new yes. listing, et cetera? Yeah, so after it's so it's triggered by um, interaction with us. So whether it's a lease renewal or a maintenance issue or a um, someone moving in, someone moving out, even after the bond inspection, believe it or not, people out there. Yeah. Um, so so we actually are getting feed. We're seeking feedback at every single interaction point. That's great, and then and then you just average the scores out. Um, when you get the negative feedback, because none of us are perfect, right? So you get the positive mm-hmm. feedback. That's yep. great. High five. We awesome. Fantastic. Celebrate all that sort of stuff. But when you get the negative feedback, how are you um, reviewing that, sharing that with your property managers? And then are you going back to your clients to say, hey, thank you for picking us up on that and we've made these changes? Yeah, we are now, absolutely. So we, we definitely didn't have it right at the start, but we are now. So what? believe it or not, Jody and Andrew, that every so Andrew Coronas yep. and Jody Ford, Director of um, Coronas, get every single piece of NPS feedback that comes through every single day. Wow. So they see, and, I, and we're talking 8,000 clients, 8,000 managements, right? And 20,000 tenants, et cetera. They get every single piece every single day. So we make, so basically there's a level of the person that has the score come in or, or the comment come in gets a copy of that but it also goes to their direct leader. So they have a chance to really talk through what happened, you know, what could they do, et cetera, to get better. But then also at our training sessions every month, we actually bring all of our team together and we actually go through some of these particular bits of feedback and, and basically work it like a case study. And we think that has been so powerful across our business um, because it, it, one, it's giving the power for everyone to make a mistake and it's okay and we're all allowed to ask questions and, and think about how we could make it better. So kind of giving ownership to everyone on that, not just putting one person up in front, which I think is mm. really great. Yeah. Um, but also it's giving the cadence to for the team to actually be able to learn how to deal with this sort of thing and think through the processes and think through how to actually make things better as well. Um, so it's been really massive for our business. That's great. We, we're we're um, going down the same path as you are, and um, it's it's really interesting because once our property managers realise that at, at every trigger point we are getting feedback, I do have to say it is changing the mindset a little bit around what we do and what we say and how we do it. Mm-hmm. 
which yeah. is which is great. Now, I could talk to you all day about this, but we are coming to the end of our podcast. And before I let you go, and um, why can you share with us or with our listeners today a, a couple of tips on? Where do they start? Like, so this is a journey we all have to go, go, go on. This is not an opt-in, opt-out issue anymore because we don't control it. Our clients are now driving what they want from us. So this is a journey we are all on and we all have to go on together. So where should they start? I think start with the basics. So have a, honestly, go outside today and have a look at your agency actually stand outside and just have a look at it. What does it look like from the outside? What does it say to you? Walk through the front doors and notice how it presents. How does this person at the front office actually greet you when you come in? Do they, do, do they put their eyes up immediately or are they continuing to do what they do on mm. the phone? Mm. Um, call call some, some of your properties as, that are up for rent and call and find out what the leasing consultant says or try to book in for an inspection and see whether you get a call back or, um, you know, ask some questions about the property and see. So maybe you could commission someone to actually do a mystery shop for you. Yep. But I think if you actually go through the pain, the process yourself, actually go to an open for inspection, go and have a look at a, um, go and try and do an application form. My God, they're horrendous, mm. right? All of these little things, if, if you just actually went through and started to do it yourself and have a look at process week by week. So I would start with something like, you might even just start with your arrears process. Get designed for the next 12 weeks all of the processes you want to go through and you probably want to look at arrears, routines, lease renewals, maintenance, um, onboarding tenants, offboarding tenants, onboarding owners, offboarding owners, um, onboarding tradies, for example, right? So there's probably about 12 weeks worth of processes. Start, go, okay, we want to improve it. This isn't this, this isn't, we're not going to just look at this thing this week and it's going to be improved forever. This is now going to be a cadence in the business, yep. you know, but we're going to improve this thing. I want you to bring all of the letters, all of the ways that you guys do everything that you do. Let's just write down what we do. And now let's look at it from the customer's point of view. What do you think we could, what would they, how, well, even ask some of your customers around some of the pain points that they've had, but how could we actually make this better? Because your team will actually have a whole heap of things that they go, that they do that's stupid every single day and they know that it's stupid Mm -hmm. and they continue to do it because it's just the way that it's always been done. So they probably want to change some of these things anyway. So I think just really get get your team together and once a week get through a process every single week for the next 12 weeks and you'll start to, one, teach your team how to do this, but start to transform your business to a customer-centric sort of business. And even if you did it, you know, to start off with every fortnight or once a month, at least you're reviewing everything once a year, which, you know, exactly. if, if that's the yeah. most that you do, it's probably more than what most businesses are doing right now. Without a doubt. Yeah, that's exactly right. Miss Jodie Stainton, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I am a huge fan of who you are and what you do and what you stand for. Thank you so much for taking Thank the time you. to talk to us. And, uh, and I look forward to catching up with you very, very soon. Um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And likewise, I'm a big fan of yours, Sadma. So thanks so much for including me on this. It's great. listening without edges has been brought to you by harcourts and connect now who have over 15 years experience and pride themselves on ensuring every customer is connected on time to find out more go 
to connectnow.com.au. Until next time, I'm Satna Smiles. Thanks for joining us.